Hello and welcome to Lime Ninja Radio. I'm your host, McKay Rippey. And this week we're without Aurora. She's off in Arizona with a college roommate on a little R&R, well-deserved and well-needed. So you're stuck with me for this edition of Lime Ninja Radio. And you may have noticed on these past, the past episode and then this one, we don't have our intro music and our fancy intro. I haven't decided if I'm going to go back to that or not. Need some way of demarcating the line and the gap in this podcast and our shift to focusing on preventing relapse. I really feel that's where the gap in knowledge is and as evidenced by my own relapse a few years ago. And if you don't know that story, let me just give you a real quick rundown of what happened. I got Lyme initially about 15 years ago. I was down the Hudson River uh, in near Ghent with a group of men. And we're horsing around and rolling around on the grass. I was a bit younger and obviously picked up a tick. Obviously, I say that because I got sick uh, about two days after that. I was in an Aikido class. Again, I was much younger and it was hot. It was uh, not air conditioned space. And it was me, a brand new student and the instructor who'd been teaching Aikido for a thousand years or whatever it was and uh, a black belt. (laughs) And basically, if you know Aikido, basically it's just being thrown about a thousand times all across, uh, across the room. Anyway. So I'm getting tossed and tossed and tossed and tossed. And it was quite a workout, sweated a ton. And I think that kind of wore me down a little bit, wore my immune system down. Anyway, I woke up the next day with the worst summer flu I'd ever had. Sound familiar? And that's exactly what I thought. It was the summer flu. So I suffered in bed for a couple days. And I remember the Sunday morning, I got up early before anybody else, still feeling absolutely miserable basically crawled to the bathroom and pulled myself up to the sink, was looking in the mirror, looking at my bloodshot eyes, and I look over at my arm, and lo and behold, it's a bullseye. And I mean, it is a perfect, looked like a Target logo on my arm. Target the store, Target. The strangest thing was, I instantly felt better. Isn't that weird? And I felt better because I knew what it was. It's like, oh, it's Lyme disease. Now, at that point in time, I didn't know enough to be scared or to be vigilant about it, but know enough to go to the ER. And they, bless them, uh, diagnosed me with Lyme disease. And they took the antibody test, gave me the ELISA test, which came back negative, of course. But the ER doc went ahead and gave me some doxycycline. And to be honest with you, I don't remember how much it was. It was definitely not 28 days. I believe it was a seven-day, five- or seven-day uh, protocol. But that was enough. I was young and healthy to put the Lyme disease back on its heels. And I followed it up with some acupuncture and some tisel root tincture for about another, I don't know, month or two. And was feeling pretty good. Now, 
In retrospect, my wife says that I lost some of my hairline, which falls right in line with Chinese medicine theory. So in Chinese medicine, your reserves, your jing, they call it. One of the expressions of this, this kidney jing energy or substance is a healthy head of hair. So as we age and our hair thins, that's one of the things that happens. We lose our jing and our hair falls out. So I lost quite a bit of hair right there during that uh, just week of being really sick. <clears throat> I guess it was even less than a week. So anyway, and perhaps again, in looking back, you could say that my stamina was not what it once was, that I needed more sleep and more rest than before and would tire it out sooner. It's, it's possible. You know, it's also possible I was out of shape. But anyway, I could do what I wanted to do, uh, was not hampered in any way. Fast forward to the spring of 2000 and I'm going to say 17. It may be off by a year or two, something like that, 2017. And I wake up. Now, there's some buildup to the story, but I'm going to give you the punchline. I wake up one morning and cannot move my right arm, just as if I had a stroke. Matter of fact, that was my first thought. I was like, oh my goodness, I've had a stroke overnight. I can't move my right arm. But then after kind of checking in with my body, which sounds strange, but you know, based on my experience as an acupuncturist, I have kind of enough ER type training. It was like, okay, call 911. It, this wasn't a 911 call. It was, uh, and knowing what I know about Lyme disease at that point, it's like, oh my goodness, this is a Lyme flare. So I was hoping it would be temporary. So just kind of, it didn't hurt. I just couldn't move my arm. It was a little bit achy, I guess. That's not true. There's a little bit of ache, but minimal. So went on for a day or two, and then the pain started to increase. Uh, and my wife finally imposed on me, said, like, you need to get this checked out. So we went to one of the local urgent cares. And the nurse practitioner there said, you know, I used to work in a neurological practice, and this seems like a nerve problem to me. We don't deal with nerves here at the urgent care. You need to go to the ER. I said, okay. So we went to the ER, and the nurse practitioner there ordered a CAT scan of my neck and my shoulder. They couldn't find anything neurologically going on there. So there's no neck damage, which is what they were kind of looking for based on my symptoms. Uh, and I get, they must've done some type of blood test, and they didn't think it was a stroke either. But anyway, she thought it was orthopedic. She's like, okay, it's not nerve. It's orthopedic. So now I have two diagnoses, which with anybody with Lyme disease is going to sound very, very familiar. So now I have two possible diagnoses, some sort of nerve damage. And secondly, some sort of orthopedic, what she thought was a rotator cuff. So we have a walk-in orthopedic clinic and that next evening. So that was a Sunday, Monday evening, we go to the orthopedic clinic and the orthopedic looks at the CAT scan and has me put my arm, well, with assistance up the wall. So raising my hand above my head, which I could do with no major discomfort at all. And he said, there's no way that's a rotator cuff. He said, it's some strange neurological uh, incident and good luck trying to figure out what it was. Now, I knew 
this orthopedic, we we worked together at Hamilton College. I coached, and he was the orthopedic specialist there. So we'd we'd known each other, and our our wives our wives know each other. So my wife and his wife knew each other from Hamilton College as well. So I didn't take that as an insult. It was just more confirmation that this was some strange Lyme event. So eventually got back to my primary care and on to uh, a neurologist and they did a nerve conduction study and what is that EEG as well. And so they're stabbing your arm with needles. Now I'd heard from my clients, my patients, that this was the worst test on the planet. So I was expecting absolute torture. And I have to say it wasn't as bad as I was thought it was going to be. Thank goodness. So he's sticking these needles in my arm and watching the electrical conductivity happening or not happening. And he asked me in about a hundred different ways, did you hurt yourself, your shoulder, your neck, anything? And had you been skiing? Had you been lifting? Had you been gardening? On and on and on. They were convinced this must be from some sort of injury. And the answer to all those questions was no, 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 no. And no. And at the end of it, he says, well, you know, this happens from time to time. It could be infection, could be something else. We don't know what's going on. You definitely have some nerve injury. And uh, please go back and see your primary care. So now we know without a doubt that it's some sort of nerve injury. And go back and bless his heart, my primary care at the time was very straightforward. He said, look, I don't have any intervention for you. I could give you a prescription for physical therapy, but there's a fair chance that that'll make it worse. And that was my sense too. It was like the, my arm did not want to be exercised. It wasn't a, a joint thing. It wasn't orthopedic. It needed rest and recovery. So, then I was left to my own devices. And the short story on the recovery, which we'll talk about another day, is after about three months, uh, began to regain use and strengthen the arm. And now it's 95% recovered. I can do almost anything I want. There's like one special position where there's a weak either nerve connection or weak muscle. And it's just a weird position that my arm will get to where it just kind of gets weak for a second before the other muscles can catch up. But that's, it, you know, it doesn't interfere with lifting things, doing farm work, doing shoveling, really anything. So I consider myself lucky again. So I've had two very lucky. Well, back to the three months, I did have to shut down my acupuncture practice. I couldn't lift a needle. I couldn't insert a needle. It was my right hand. So I did have to shut down my acupuncture practice, and that was absolutely miserable. And then there was a month, six weeks of absolute torture where I couldn't sleep and was in really pretty uh, consistent, not excruciating pain, but consistent gnawing pain in my arm. And that that broke me down a couple days. There's no doubt about that. But any, that's that's for another day. The, the, the point is that in looking back, so I 
was not able, given everything I knew, I was not able to look forward and say, look, oh, McKay, you're heading to a relapse here. Be careful. But in looking back, I had three months to contemplate how I got to that point. And looking back, you could see the signs. You could see the warning signs. But they were not clear. It was like only after the fact and looking back could piece it all together. So that's what we are interested in with the new Lime Ninja Radio is developing a system so that we can look ahead. We have an early warning system to avoid this because who the heck wants to lose three months of their life or have to shut down their business or to quit their business or to go on medical leave again because we've had a relapse. Now, we don't know for sure. I know this is going to be a little bit controversial. We don't know for sure whether or not our bodies clear the Lyme disease 100%. I know there's great research out there showing that these persister cells persist, but does that mean they're active and do they reactivate? We don't know. We don't know. Could my nerve damage be from a reactivation of Lyme disease? Absolutely. Or Bartonella, something else? Absolutely. Could have come out from a biofilm or from within tissue and reactivate? Absolutely. There's no doubt about that is possible. But it's also possible that it's more of my own immune system. And we've all heard about the cytokine storms because of covid and it could have been an immune system, autoimmune type of reaction that got activated for whatever reason. So we don't know. They're just at this point in time, we don't have the tools to know. Regardless, I was almost said irregardless there. So don't send me grammatical hate mail. <laughs> Regardless, this is something we need to protect ourselves from. There are. What do I want to say? There are biomarkers. There are indications when we're going in the wrong way. And look, this isn't rocket science, but it does take looking and being able to keep score of what our health is now. And we do not do a good job of doing this. Unless you are a high-level athlete, chances are you are not tracking some of the basics that are available to us now with all these wearable gadgets. So let me quickly outline what I've put together after going through this myself. And my goal in never going through this again, to become essentially bulletproof. I want to become bulletproof to, that's the goal, to, to Lyme relapse. I don't want to go through this again. I don't want anybody else to have to go through this again. Now, do I think I have the, the golden ticket and that if you follow the steps that I'm going to outline today and probably for the next year or so, that you'll never relapse? Absolutely not. Nobody can guarantee that. That would be foolish. Just like we can't guarantee that person gets Lyme or not gets Lyme or gets an easy to get over case of Lyme or a chronic miserable case of Lyme, right? The body's too complicated. There's so much that we don't know about what's going on in there. So that's, but that make my point, right? It's like, I'm not guaranteeing this, but that's the goal. Like, why play the game if we're just going to say, well, maybe it'll help, maybe it won't. I mean, that's the truth of the matter. That's the philosophical truth. But the game is to be bulletproof. Man, let's, let's, let's stop these, the chance of these relapses. So there's three phases 
in my prevention program. The monitoring phase, and then what I call mucking, mucking out. <laughs> the mucking out phase, and that's because we live on a farm here. And if you've ever had cows mucking things up at some point in the barn, you have to muck it out. And then there's the mend phase, and that's kind of the long-term healing and healing from Lyme and healing from a friend of mine calls it the toxic soup of a planet that we live on. Unfortunately, we are surrounded by different types. I'm going to call them poisons. It's not all poison. Blue light is a poison. The government thinks sunshine is a poison, but they're microplastics. There are heavy metals out there. There is uh, roundup and glyphosate out there. There are other, mold and mycotoxins. I mean, just we are surrounded and seemingly overwhelmed. You know, some of the, some of the medications you've been on are toxic, right? So we are surrounded. And so we, it's not enough, I think anymore, just to live a fairly clean life. I don't think that's necessarily as possible as it was 20 years ago, maybe 50 years ago. Here's a, a, a side story. I remember, so I have to watch my carbohydrates. It's just, if I don't, I gain weight very quickly and am in danger of uh, having high insulin levels, high blood sugar levels. And uh, at some point, uh, <laughs> obesity. And probably, actually right now, <laughs> I'm on the edge of being clinically obese but not morbidly obese, just clinically obese. Anyway, the point is we were at uh, Glimmerglass Opera having a pre-opera picnic. I'm trying to remember what the opera was, but I don't remember. Anyway, the, so I was there. My wife was there, her uh, mother and father, and a couple of friends. And next door was... Next door, next picnic table over was a group, and they were my father-in-law's age. So they were in their mid to late 70s, and they were having a traditional 50s picnic. And they had the potato chips and the sandwiches, and they had the dessert, and I don't think they had Coca-Cola out, but some sort of lemonade or something like that. And I'm looking at all of them, and they're all slim and trim. And I'm, I'm envious because <laughs> I had my low carb which food, which was good. But I'm looking over there thing like, how come they haven't, how come their systems haven't collapsed? And that's the toxic suit that I'm talking about. It's like something has shifted in, in these past 50 years where the insult that has accumulated for just living is different than it was. So maybe it's a lack of sleep. Maybe it's the toxins out there. We don't know for sure. Maybe it's all just the metaverse's fault. Maybe it's Zuckerberg and Facebook, and we could just blame it on the stress from that. Be that as it may. So let's get back. So that's the muck it out. And then there's the mend phase, right? So the mend phase is this continual restoration that we need to do. We need to recover from our illness. Even though we may be better, doesn't mean we're healed. So the absence... And this is where I made my mistake. The absence of being ill does not necessarily mean the the illness is absent. And that's the mistake that I made. So again, the three phases, monitor, 
keeping score, mucking out, cleaning out bad habits that we may have accumulated, and even previous things, uh, mindset, uh, previous trauma, uh, previous damage, even, even before we got sick, that before was not critical, but now is. So just continue cleaning up. Like you, you're never done mucking out the barn. And then there's the mending phase. And again, I think the mending is continual. It's like you're continually using your body. You need to continually mend it. And those are the three phases. And we're going to get into that and how I'm doing that and how I recommend you begin to take a look at and setting up a system. And then at some point, not in the too distant future, I'll have a program for some of you if you want help doing that. But we'll get all the information out here so you can do it yourself as well. So I think that brings everything to a close here. I want to leave you with one final thought, and that is it is possible to stay healthy after Lyme disease. You don't have to relapse, but you do need to be proactive. Like I didn't relapse until... Oh, 12 years after my initial infection. And in between, there was no sign. That's the point. No sign. And again, looking back at the one month to six weeks leading up to my relapse, it was very clear that I was in danger of relapsing. Just everything was collapsing down. But you don't see it. One of my friends says, once you're inside the ketchup bottle, you can't read the label. So we need to get a mirror outside the ketchup bottle. We need to get some of these hacks that the biohackers use, some of these metrics to keep score so we can look in the mirror and see what the label is saying, seeing what's going on. And that's what I'm going to help you do. That's what I'm committed to helping you do. And that's what I'm going to be doing for myself. So thanks for listening. If you'll do two things for me, I'd appreciate it. I love the emails. We got four emails last time from the last show, which I think is amazing. So thank you for those of you who sent an email in. Let's see if I have that right here. I know Lee sent me an email and I haven't responded to you yet, Lee. I will do that. Thanks so much. And who else? James, thank you. Sonia, thank you. And Julie, thank you so much for sending an email. It means a lot to be connected to you. No, I'm not just speaking out to the void. So if you have a moment, please send me an email. The other thing you can do is on iTunes, leave a review. Even if you left one a couple of years ago, leave a review that helps get iTunes tuned into the fact that people are listening and interested in this podcast and it'll just help me move up the ratings and become active again. Cause right now we are definitely, <laughs> we are definitely underwater when it comes to activity ratings. So please, please, please do those two things for me again, send me an email. Let me know you're listening, what your thoughts are, the direction, opinions, things you'd like me to cover, just anything. Say hello. Uh, wish Aurora a happy vacation. And the second thing is leave and uh, review on iTunes. All right. We'll talk to you next week.